Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Fan Effect, uh, brought to you by Larry H. Miller Megaplex Theaters, the best place, entertainment venue to watch a movie in the state of Utah. And if you've ever been to a movie there, you know what I'm talking about. Great rewards, great seats, uh, convenient locations. It's just a great time. And this is the perfect time of year to check out a Megaplex by going for a Christmas movie. And that's what we're talking about today on this episode of Fan Effect. We have a deeper dive into all of the 157 Christmas movies that are coming out this year alone. (laughs) But we're going to dive into just a couple specific ones. Uh, Andy Farnsworth here, joined by Dan Spindle from KSL 5 TV. Dan, thank you for coming back. And amazing. It's not a Star Wars topic this time that we'll be talking about. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Hello. Oh, 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 I got what you did there. I see what you did there. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today we want to talk about Christmas movies that uh, have had a lot of meaning. Okay. So what would you say for you are your sort of. Uh, trinity of Christmas movies that Ooh. you from from being a kid to today. What are what are probably three of the biggest Christmas movies that are your personal faves that you just love? Well, you're limiting that to I know, three I with know. the Trinity, and you know this is not going to go well because I'm going to list about seventeen. But but um, look for us, it, the beginning and end was uh, was It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, uh, it was every Christmas Eve with my family. Um, and, uh, one that has a relation to what we're going to talk about today is a Christmas story, which really started picking up, uh, through the nineties. And again, we'll talk about the timing and everything, but a Christmas story, Ralphie, the Red Rider BB gun, all of that was just classic for, for kids of the eighties. Um, you know what? I'll, uh, there's so many of them. I'll, I'll throw in, well, I'm going to throw in one. It's ridiculous. That'll take too long to talk about, but it's um, called Santa Claus the Movie. I think oh, we mentioned still that before. Trying to sell this one, yes, Santa Claus the Movie, made by the same folks that made Superman the Movie, and it doesn't get enough credit uh, with the super duper looper and uh, who, who who's in it. Uh, John Lithgow is the bad guy. He's BZ Toys, and it's uh, just a great origin story for for Santa Claus. My kids ridicule me to no end for that one, but as they should. Yeah, I was I was say Santa Claus the Movie. Hey, come on. Dudley Moore. <laughs> oh, dear goodness. Patch the Elf. <laughs> I love it. Un- Dudley Moore, the drunken I elf am for kids. Unashamed uh, to uh, to say I love Santa Claus the movie, but there there are so many of them. I mean, if we're not going to talk Star Wars Christmas movies for me, I, I could talk all day, <laughs> all day. So for my my three favorites, I, I can't disagree with It's a Wonderful Life, Christmas Vacation, certainly right oh, up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as enjoyment, I you know, and and of course these are movies that. It's a Wonderful Life being the exception that came out during our lifetimes. That's kind of the ones that you glom on to. Like, right. I'm sure that your kids, uh, I think you told me once that Snow Globe is one of their favorites. Yeah. It's one of your kids' favorites. And it's not that it's good or anything. And I don't even know that they would admit it's good. But my daughter, my oldest, who's turning 19, I mean, she just, she loves it because she watched it forever, every single year. That and like a Barbie Christmas, you know, one of these terrible CGI movies from probably 2008 yes. Bob or something. the Builder's White Christmas probably, is one that my yeah, son oh, would so probably <laughs> uh, nostalgically admit to, even though he's 20 years old now. He, maybe he wouldn't admit it out loud, but we watched that you certainly did. enough That's times. That's your job, Dad. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll bring it up, no question. So I would also put uh, A Christmas Story and uh, what? I really like Mixed Nuts. Actually, that's one that doesn't come up on a lot of people's holidays. And you know, I've never seen it. I was Steve I was Martin. looking through lists, and yeah, Mixed Nuts is one that comes up. I, I've never seen Mixed Nuts, yeah. So that's one that uh, Adam Sandler, one of his first movie roles, he's a very minor player. Rita Wilson, Tom Hanks' wife. Okay. Uh, Bernadette, no, not Bernadette Peters, Carol 
I always get these there two mixed go. up. There you go. Now, you, now not, you tripped yourself up. No, 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 no. Who, who is... Uh, I always get her... Mc, Madeline Kahn. Madeline okay. Kahn. Great movie. Um, I would say it is uh, Liv Schreiber like you've never seen him before. Yeah, I mean, it's not really uh, like uh, heralded as one of the great holiday movies of all time, Mixed Nuts. It's not. <laughs> That's only because you haven't watched it. Okay. I'll tell okay, you that fair much. enough. It's pretty funny. Steve Martin, of course, the headliner. All right, so... But we want to talk about specific movies today. And, and actually, it's Muppet Christmas Carol is one of my favorite also. Well, and there's a reason you bring up these that are not yes. perhaps the most classic, traditional-type Christmas movies. And it's because when you veer off, sometimes it can work really well, uh, other times not so much. And so that's, that's maybe the question for today. Is it, did these ones that are not your typical Santa Claus, you know, elf it's kind of one Santa of those Claus funny, is some people's the, favorites. The Santa Claus, the t- a different take on Santa Claus or elves or kind of traditional Hollywood themes, but the tropes are all there and d- does it work? I will tell you this. This is a 100% Hallmark Christmas movie free discussion. Yes. Oh, today. yeah. Not going to mention uh, it. So laying that aside. All right. Two new movies come out this year and they both fit into, um, as I saw them, I saw them announced. I thought uh, this deserves more than just kind of a passing Oh, yeah, this movie's out. I liked this movie. I feel like we need a deeper dive. And so this is why I've recruited you today, Dan, is... Thank you. We've got the new movie Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds that was an Apple TV Plus exclusive that is essentially a remake of A Christmas Carol. Or it's a Christmas Carol type movie. You're talking about the ghosts of Christmas past, present, future. They're going to come and visit and try to help redeem a soul. Right. The other is A Christmas Story Christmas, which is the actual sequel to A Christmas Story from 1983. I do remember when that came out. I did not see it in theaters, but I do remember watching it on HBO several times at my friend's house that lived across the street when it first hit HBO afterwards. And um, so so that's been part of my life the whole time. I always thought it was funny, but of course it really gained the pop culture traction that it has today when TNT and sometime in the yes. mid to late 90s decided to air it for 24 straight hours yeah. on Christmas Eve. And that's when I think it went beyond just some people liking it and some people maybe remembering it fondly, but it not being part of the tradition. That's when it became a tradition for so many more people, I think. That's when I I, I guess it crossed the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, you know, I asked Jeff Kaplan from KSL News Radio, have you ever seen a Christmas Story? He's like, I'm a Jew. <laughs> I'm like, okay, good point. I said, True, this but... has become such a thing. He's like, right. yes, I've actually seen parts of it. And sure. I don't think I've ever watched it start to finish. But that, And that's what I mean is like it, it, it's it gone just beyond a Christmas movie uh, for white people sure. in the Midwest in the 1930s. But Well, you're, you're in your uh, mid to late 40s. Yes. yes. I don't think I'm giving anything away there. Uh, I'm in my early to mid 40s. Okay. Um, so you've got about five years on me. However, you would admit, as you just did, I don't think anybody saw it in the theater. I mean, it came out in 83, and it's not like that was an instant classic, and you could go to It's a Wonderful Life and say the same thing. It wasn't that successful, and yet it gained new life in the 70s because it became this tradition on television. Same thing with A Christmas Story. I, I remember vividly in 92, let's say, I was at my cousin's house, and they were watching it. And it was as if it was supposed to be this classic because they did the Red Rider BB gun. And it was, you know, you heard this kind of narration going on. And I thought, what movie? What What is this? How have I missed this? Because I, it looked kind of old. And at the same time, it was I'd never seen it. My friends had never seen it. My cousins had never seen it. So for us, A Christmas Story, it was 10 years after it came out, that 92, 3, 4, when it was on TNT over and over again. They didn't have the 24-hour loop yet. 
But, but it was on it was several on cable times during the Christmas because season. Because yes. it was on cable, and we would watch it, and the funny, the old man in it, his dad, and the funny fake swearing, and which was funny, made funny probably in Home Alone by Joe Pesci. It was just this, it was as if it was supposed to be this classic, and so I immediately gravitated toward it because I thought, Ralphie is funny, his brothers are funny, the bullies are funny. All the scenarios I loved because I was that age. And and I just immediately, I, I think, started memorizing every line. Not even, I didn't try to. It just, it's, it's burned into, I, I can recite the whole movie. It's burned into my brain, right? <laughs> and every scene is funny. But it's almost as if, like I said, it was like this instant classic because it already had 10 years of life. But I didn't realize that this historical movie, because it takes place, what, in the 40s? 1939, I think, officially. 39, okay. I just didn't get that, oh, is this a new thing? Is it an old thing? I don't know. And well, it was just there. they did a good job with the cinematography. They didn't present it in the super clean picture format. No, like, no. Almost like the smudge with the Vaseline like on the lens kind yeah. of a thing. Right. Which I think is, it's designed to give For you sure. that memory sort of haziness. And the music is very, you know, it's got the brass and it sounds like it's from... The 30s or 40s, some of that original Christmas time feel. Um, and what a great period piece it is. It's just this good period piece, you know. And I, I had seen... What worked about it, though, was because it was the, the themes. It's funny that Ralphie has to write a theme. Yes. But the theme, theme of A Christmas Story, of all the different parts of A Christmas Story, were were essentially timeless. It wasn't a Red Rider BB gun when I was eight, nine years old. It was... Getting Optimus Prime, the Transformer sure. for Christmas. Yeah. You know, it isn't uh, Red Rider BB gun for my kids. It might be a PlayStation. That that's the thing that they want. Um, so that theme is timeless. The theme of, um, you know, just all the things, all the schemes that Ralphie comes up with in, in his sort of fervent excitement for the Christmas season and how yeah. it's interminably long when you're that age. Like December 1st to the oh. 25th takes forever when you're 8, 9, 10, 12 years old. And it... It goes at my age now. It's like, oh, crud, we're already to Thanksgiving again. Christmas is going to be here in a blink. Oh, and what did he say in it? Gene Shepard, who wrote it yes, who wrote and who the, narrated it. Who wrote the, the story. It's called um, um, In God We in Trust, God we all, trust others all Others Pay Cash. Pay cash <laughs> I've never read it. Have you read it? There's a callback to that as we get talking I about, love the, yeah. about Christmas well, Story Christmas. I was going to bring that up because in the narration, because he narrates the original film and he's got this great voice because he did a lot of radio. And it's this great, oh, oh no, my parents did this and my teachers did that. And you're just watching it along with this great narration. But what he says about Christmas is the date around which the entire kid calendar revolved. You know, and yep. it's, it's so good. But and, that's the truth. Yeah, oh yeah, no question about it. Utah, it's the truth in Indiana. I mean, maybe it's, not, it, maybe it's not true for every single person on the planet. I'm not saying it is, but it is a universal enough truth. And there was just yeah. enough. I can't relate to 1939 style, like the the, the the big clunker metal car that the dad drives. I can't relate to old the mobile, heater blowing right? <laughs> black smoke through your house. Sure. You know, the furnace and being an actual furnace. Not a finger. And, <laughs> my favorite swear word he says in that whole movie is not a finger. I can't, I can't relate to, you know, him wanting, you know, when they look at uh, Higby's toy store and it's like just essentially trinkets, they're trinkets now, the, sure. the, the types of toys that would have been a big deal. So I can't relate to those specific things, but I can relate to knowing that that you're only going to get, uh, you only have a chance once a year at certain types of gifts. You're not going to get them in September. Right. You probably won't get them for your birthday. There, you get one chance a year where everybody's feeling kind of generous and there's more stuff. That's what a Christmas story was. And that's I, the basis for it. Yeah. And that's why I think it resonated so well. And then, of course, it's funny also. Like, that's the top right. it off. And it, it takes on a life of its own once you 
anytime you're more familiar with something, it becomes better. Right. What, and you the repeat the lines over and over is, is again. That you'll watch it enough times that you'll like all the nuances. Well, and the funny, um, I guess the, the mechanism for moving the story forward, too, was that Ralphie was having these daydreams, and he was caught in these daydreams nonstop, where he pictures his teacher and his, his classmates carrying him on the sh- their shoulders when his theme gets an A+. Plus, or he pictures his mother collaborating with his teacher as the Wicked Witch to stop oh, yes. him from getting what he wants. Or I mean, the, the fantasy of someday your parents will regret oh, me. Oh, absolutely. It was soap poison. Oh, Ralph, like, oh, Ralph, what did we do? Look at you. That's right. Nice of you to visit us well, again. We're not expecting to see you again. He's still a little kid with oh, yeah. three and blind, blind. Mice glasses well, on. Even, even the funniest thing about, and this is just a dumb little moment that I just thought of, was when uh, Randy, his brother, is trying to get dressed and he grabs Randy and shoves him out of the way and he gets dressed and his brother's banging on his back. Oh, come on, Ralphie, come on, Ralphie. It, it, it's not integral to the story. And yet, it's any real life. brother yep. says, oh, I remember doing that. So that's what I love. Or the younger brother. I remember when my brother did that to oh, me. Oh, for sure. Or And people who, who don't get a Christmas story, perhaps, and they say, well, that's not that funny or it's not that good because of this or that. I loved it because those themes were woven through subtle little moments. So uh, kudos to the to the director and producers who put that together and knew and the writers who knew about these little kind of nuanced things about kids in the neighborhood, kids growing up that that would stand the test of time because it really has. I think anybody can relate to it no matter what era you live in. And proof of concept is what I'll call it, is that I wondered, you know, what would be the new generation's Christmas story. Yeah. And I thought that that question was answered last year. A year ago, there was no uh, announced plans for a Christmas story sequel. We got that on HBO Max in November, and now we have an actual physical sequel with the same characters uh, to a Christmas story uh, in A Christmas Story Christmas. But I thought last year, when 8-Bit Christmas came out, that was the true successor to a Christmas story. 8-Bit Christmas, if, you, if you're if you not aware of the story or if this is something you missed, it premiered on HBO Max. It's the only place it's played. It's essentially a Christmas story if, instead of taking place in 1939, the childhood took place in the late 1980s. Neil Patrick Harris plays a dad. Fantastic. His, him and his daughter are hanging out waiting for the rest of the family to arrive for, for Christmas. They're, they're whatever reason they weren't traveling together. And he sits down and he te- and he sees his old Nintendo Entertainment System at his mom's house, and he um, decides to tell his daughter the story as they wait uh, of the year that he wanted a Nintendo Entertainment System more than anything else. So when I watched that, it first of all, it was the age that I was a child in. Right, I do right. remember the Christmas of about 88 when I never got that Nintendo, but other friends did. And I wanted it as much as as Neil Patrick Harris's young version uh, wanted it. But then it has so it has all these 80s jokes and references, right? Uh, even in the trailer where um, he's like, I was riding my bike. Did you wear a helmet? And like the helmet appears on his head in right. the middle of the shot. Oh, yeah, of course. We always wore helmets in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And it it went back with everything. The difference is, and I don't want to spoil it too much for anybody who hasn't seen it because I highly recommend it, but we're going to spoil some stuff It's later. been too long. Yeah, it's Spoiler alert. We're going to talk it about things. It, it follows a Christmas story's, um, I don't know, roller coaster. This, uh, it, it rhymes a lot with the, with the Christmas story. Sure. But then it takes a sharp veer at the end in a good way. Oh, yeah. That I didn't expect. I really thought it would follow a Christmas story all the way to the very end. And then it veered, but it veered in such an awesome and like yes. uplifting and yep. enjoyable way yep. that I thought this is the great sequel to A Christmas Story. And then this year we get A Christmas Story Christmas and 
Did you like? See, we so, haven't talked much I about really it. You, you liked it. it. Like, okay. I was really impressed, and now I'm like, are we gonna we need to debate which is the best successor to a Christmas story. Right. Does a Christmas story Christmas win because it's the same characters, or does Eight um, Bit Christmas win because it's more relatable to people our age, like literally relatable, yeah. not just thematically relatable? This one would be relatable. Christmas Story Christmas, and, and I thought about this when they did the callback to 1973, and I thought, okay, my dad graduated high school in '73. He was born in the '50s, so maybe people who are 60s to 70s to 80s to their 80s would would relate better to a Christmas story Christmas and yet then I thought well if you were born in the 80s the 70s weren't that far away and so a lot of these things still connect in those ways I'm going to say that a Christmas story Christmas is the better era parent I guess or, or carrying the torch only because it's simply the same story carried on that could have gone wrong in many ways Peter Billingsley who plays Ralphie yes who's a veteran of the of the film industry now um, he and uh, Vince Vaughn and John Favreau are this great clique of buddies. They all know each other well, and they do movies together. And that's why Peter Billingsley was in Iron Man. He was. He's in, he's in the directed. yeah. He's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He helped produce it, right? He, he, they helped put it together because they met. I learned this recently. They met on the set of a an after TV special in the mid '90s. Vince Vaughn and he were were, were talking about the ills of steroids, and they, uh, and they were, neither one and who's they a acted. Big guy. It's so funny they acted in this together. But um, go back and and find that. But. Uh, Peter Billingsley, they said, why didn't you do this forever? Because, I mean, we're talking 40 years later, not just yes. like 10, 15, 20, 40 years later. And he said, There was one, technically a Christmas Story sequel in they the did, 80s, yeah. but we just pretend never happened. There was also something called a that. summer story that was written by Gene Shepard, but again, it wasn't really a continuation. I mean, it because, was, but it wasn't. And the reason is because the better summer story, as everyone knows, is The Sandlot. Oh, for sure. Well, and that came out at the same time, I think. So, uh, so look. If Gene Shepard had written The Sandlot, he would have written the greatest winter and summer stories ever. Uh, no doubt. I mean, well, look, that's the thing about um, A Christmas Story. It was written so well, narrated in a unique way and fun. Uh, you know, Ralphie breaks the fourth wall. And here's the spoiler alert. He did that in this one. Um, and you thought, okay, Ralphie is a dad. Am I going to relate to him still? And you know, growing up with movies, you grow up and see them in different ways and relate to them in different ways that connect you to your childhood relating to them. And then this one with Ralphie as a dad. It became, you talk a lot about the Red Rider BB gun was then the Nintendo in 8-Bit Christmas. This one, it kind of took away the need for that thing. For a specific gift. Right. The, in the, fact, you thought for a sec when the son's talking about the sled that he wants. For sure. And, the and they have the sled. Yeah. Well, and I told my kids, I said, I had one of those actually flexible flyers when I was in the 80s and it was great to sled. Back when you were in Ohio? This was when I was in Idaho. I lived really? in a lot of places, See, folks. I thought Sorry. the sled with the actual metal, <laughs> with the metal tracks. I had one of those. That only works in those icy. Well, well, who knows? I used it. I will tell you, I used it at uh, Smith Park in Rexburg, Idaho, in 1987, <laughs> and I had one of those. So just just okay, so you know, okay. it, it did work. That's where the hills are. Um, I, I, I'll just say that the idea around this one, this new A Christmas Story Christmas, was the thing that he wanted to give or get was a Christmas that was as great as the Christmas that his dad has, had created. And they they deal with these themes of of loss and love and familial connection because his dad 
passed away. I mean, spoiler alert, we're going to talk about this. For what it's worth, you probably shouldn't listen to this until after you've also seen A Christmas Story Christmas. There you go. This is where you come to to discuss. I want to unpack with (laughs) with Andy and Dan the same kind of thing. So I think think you're right. And this is is what I thought 8-Bit Christmas did well also was that thing. But let's keep going with A Christmas Story Christmas and then we can spoil a little more of 8-Bit. Well, yeah, and that's, uh, yeah, Christmas Story Christmas, I mean, it starts off, you get it pretty close to the beginning that, that the old man, that's how they refer to him, and I think that's his character name, honestly, in the original it actually movie. Is. The old man. In Dar- fact, if Darren you look in the, credit, in the credits, it's the old man. And he's fantastic, an actor who I, I remember. Parker is his official oh, name. He's so good. I remember seeing him in, in The Natural and some of these other movies growing up um, the in the 80s. In the Natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but but the fact that Ralphie wasn't pretending to be anybody else, he, he you felt like, well, this is Ralphie Parker. This is the kid. Yes. There's Flick. That does help with, I think, Peter Billingsley writing and having oh, Hollywood sure. experience instead of just like, oh. hey, I played this character 40 years ago. Yeah. I want in. It's- I mean, and he got, they, they recast his mother, even though the, the original actress is still alive, but she didn't, she doesn't act anymore. And so they recast his mother, but that's about it. I mean, you had And they picked Julie Haggerty. And honestly, after about five minutes, I didn't notice she's it was just Julie fine. Haggerty oh, anymore. Oh, she's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and but, I liked the choice for his wife, Aaron Hayes, who sure. was on Kevin Can Wait before oh, she was unceremoniously sure. dumped for Leah Ramini after oh, season two. That's yeah, the same that's actress, right. if you remember that story. Yes, yes. Um, it's, it's just... It, it takes you and back to... And I like to, that they made her... Flo- like, I was I was worried that they were going to make her, like, the the all-knowing conscience that has no flaw, you no. know, kind of a thing yeah. that seems to become a trope sometimes yeah. nowadays. Well, we can't revisit the 70s and have her be, like, some kind of a housewife. Like, she, she definitely was smart. She definitely was a good partner for Ralph. But she had her own idiosyncrasies and weaknesses. She was obsessed with skating, including, did you notice she had essentially the Dorothy Hamill cut when she was going to go out? And, yeah, I, it couldn't have been Dorothy Hamill because Dorothy Hamill was the 80s. But sure. It was, it, invent, it was meant to invoke the yeah. the pixie cut of the figure skaters from the from the 60s and 70s. And she has her own skates and then she slips and falls off the porch and never gets to show if she actually can skate. Well, I thought... The, and then she drinks when they go to the mall and she's got the bad ankle. And, you and know, mo- so she's not perfect. Well, but I, she's great. I thought what it did so well, too, because with any movie that is a, a not a redo, but kind of a um, call back to these original movies and you think, okay, it's got the tropes and it, and it takes you through the story that way. And it had callbacks and Easter eggs, well, so but it didn't if, rely if it didn't, on them. If it didn't rhyme, yeah. then it's not a Christmas story. Like Correct. We were looking for some repeats. Where And they How had the bompuses with the ha- hound the dogs. Repeat? And they had, yeah, once once you reconnected, and I won't give it all away, I guess, but I mean, you're, you're going to reconnect with Flick and Warts. He calls him Warts in the movie. It's Schwartz. He calls him Warts. Did you know that the guy who plays Flick's last name is Schwartz? Yes. Yes. I, love that. I did know that. I yeah. just love that. Yeah. And then uh, you know when he when he talks about um, uh, Grover Dill and uh, and uh, come on who's the main bad guy um, Scott Farkas Scott I never knew his name it's was Scott, Scott until recently it's I always thought it was Scott, Scott Farkas Nope but he talks about him having I was waiting for him to say he had yellow eyes again and then having Scott say something like Hey listen I don't have yellow eyes man <laughs> it's something like I that. was when they when Ralphie gets busted by Scott Oh yeah and Ralphie's looking into the light and it switches to Scott in his 1939 outfit Yeah. Oh, it was great. I thought for a second that they had taken footage from the 
from the '83 movie and just found a way to creatively he splice it in. Exactly because when he was like in that, him. he looked exactly the same. <laughs> With exactly. the coonskin like, cap. I had to watch it again. Like, nope, that I can see the older lines in his yeah. face. It is the older version. But for that split second, my gosh, he looked yeah. exactly the same as he did in 1983. Well, and what do you want from all of your your Christmas movies? You want a great feel good moment that that brings you back around. I'll tell you what. There were some parts where I was getting emotional, and I looked over at my wife who lost her mother almost 10 years ago. Her mom's favorite thing of all time was Christmas. Her mother's entire role in life felt like making her children happy, and Christmas time was it. That was her Super Bowl. And so comparing her to the old man and comparing the family's grief to her grief and her family's grief. I mean, my wife is crying in this Christmas story movie, and she kind of, she'll she'll humor me when I want to watch certain movies. She loves Christmas, and she loves Christmas movies, but she, she kind of laughs at me when I get emotional and cry over certain things like Star Wars or whatever. But we had this wonderful moment. The kids enjoyed it. And I asked my wife afterwards, hey, a little emotional there. She says, yeah. And so we kind of broke down talking about the movie, about what we liked and, and loved about it. I'll just say not to not to overblow it too much, but but boy, Peter Billingsley, to his credit, and everyone who made this this film, paid proper homage to the original. Had plenty of great Easter eggs for for the viewers, and it's just a feel good movie. I think everybody's going to relate to it even more. I mean, if you loved Ralphie as a kid, as an adult now, you'll relate with all these, you know. 20, 30, 40 years of experiences, you'll go, oh my gosh, this is just, the writers did a great job hitting home on a lot of those things. I thought what they did well was what Top Gun Maverick did well, which is, even though it's been almost 40 years for Top Gun and it's been over for, well, it's almost exactly 40 years for Christmas Story. Right. They picked a time and it allowed them to tell a story that was relevant. It was... Whether we consciously acknowledge some of these things or not, we look for certain things. We want to see the characters again, and we want to see them do some of the same things. Right. But if they do exactly the same, we don't like that. Right. If they look wrong, we don't like that. Like it, Even if we don't know, even if we couldn't write down what we want to happen, we have some instinctual feel of what we want to happen, have right. happen. And that's what Maverick did so well. And I think that's what A Christmas Story Christmas did so well was they knew the things that we wanted to see again. I mean, there was no reason for Top Gun Maverick to open with the Danger Zone song and the, and the sequence. It really didn't have anything to do with the plot. Right. They didn't really end up out on carriers like they did uh, in the original Top Gun, which the whole final sequence was out over the sea. Right. When they were yeah. Off the carrier. But we, if we didn't hear Danger Zone and we didn't get that goosebump feeling, it would have felt like something was missing. And 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 you would have been distracted if the whole Scott time Farkas waiting for had, it. Probably, yeah. If Scott Farkas hadn't showed up, it would even if it, you know, we found out that the bullies were his kids. He if had they, to be back. But by him being there, that helps. And even if and being a cop, I'm glad that. Well, that actually, <laughs> as I watched that, I thought, well, this could become very problematic in some of today's oh, culture discussions. Because isn't that the 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 anti-police argument is that the bullies all become law enforcement. Well, in this sense, though, he was redeemed, had a great right, redeeming right, right, story. Right. His conversation like, with Ralphie was this... so great. And that's the thing. So now let me uh, ask you this. This you... is a real life thing. Before you guys keep yeah, that question, but I've got it. Scott Fark, the actor who played Scott Farkas, there was a stretch in, I want to say the nineties or early two thousands yeah. where he wrote, he hated that role because he, couldn't go anywhere. he was typecast as a yeah. bully to oh, yeah. everyone. Billy D. Williams Billy's... talked about that with um with um, Lando Calrissian. There was a stretch where he couldn't pick his hey, kids up at school. Speaking of Billy, Billy Zabka said it about oh, yeah. Johnny. He was Johnny. He was the guy in the, one of the boys or whatever it Karate is. Karate Kid. All, all those movies, he was like the 80s oh, villain. He was the 80s villain. That's right. Yeah. 
That's right. Just one of the boys and then back to school. Yeah. Okay. My question was, do you think someone who hasn't seen or maybe isn't as familiar with a Christmas story, maybe they've seen clips on YouTube and they've seen it in pieces on TNT over the years, do they enjoy this movie in and of itself as a, as a standalone? Mm, that's a good question. Again, I'd have to because, ask somebody who's not familiar with because it. Because it's such a cultural, culturally large movie, I think it'd be hard to find somebody who hasn't seen some of it. But And you wouldn't appreciate all the callbacks. Ta- of course not. Of course Did not. you notice? It's certainly tailor-made for those who liked A Christmas Story and want to see what happens next. Did you notice he shot his daughter's eye out? With the snowball, I did. Oh, she I ended knew up with one got eye. Her in the eye. I knew he and got her so in the that eye. was like his because the whole thing was you'll shoot your eye out in the first movie, and he shot. My kids go, oh, his daughter only has one eye now because he he threw the snowball. I'm like, oh, that's classic. That's just fantastic. We turned <laughs> her callback. into uh, Black Bart. Oh, it was great. It was great. And and he talked. I wanted him to talk about old blue, you know, fighting the the bad guys again. But so it was really this is what's true to the original. True it was to the true original. To the original, while avoiding the parts that could be problematic, like a kid wanting a gun for Christmas. Sure. In fact. Old Blue gets like one second of screen time. Yeah, they in the showed attic. it passing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they don't uh, really refer to it except for at the very end when it goes translates back to the Gene Shepard narration. Oh, it was great. By the way, Gene Shepard's kids were executive I producers. Saw on it. I, I saw that. I saw that. I saw Shepard. Oh, oh, great. Now, and I, did you notice the sign in the bar? Yes, it's it was the in title God, of we the trust movie. All yeah, this pay cash. Yeah, I bet a lot of people did not realize as they saw that sign. Yep. what it related to. Well, yeah, I, I'll just say too that. The fact that it didn't talk about the Red Rider BB gun is because if you really want to dive deep into the original movie, it wasn't about that. It was really about his father. Because how did he get... I just got chills thinking about it. <laughs> Christmas morning comes and goes. He ends up with a dumb bunny costume, you know, deranged Easter bunny, whatever. I just remember his dad getting the bowling ball in his lap. It's just funny. And then what happens? His mom didn't even know about it. His dad hit it over by the corner. Hey, I think you got one more present over there, Ralph. It was about... He didn't think his parents were paying attention to him. He didn't think they really knew what he wanted. Oh, my parents don't even know. And all they're doing is thinking about themselves. And his dad's off in La La Land fighting the furnace and fighting the thing. and Flat the, tire, the, the leg fudge lamp. thing, yeah. And yet his dad knew exactly what his son wanted. His dad knew how to connect with his son in that simple way that stayed with him That's forever. So point. it really was. If you watch it, it really is about the old man. There's a moment where, where the old man and, and his mom sit Sipping on, you know, whatever they're sipping on. They show that in the closing credits. Oh they show my some gosh. of the shots that match the In the, the dark with movie. the Christmas tree, with the music Looking at playing. the snow falling outside. And what it was really about was creating that beautiful atmosphere that you remember and you connect. And, and I think we all relate to that. For me growing up, what I related to with a Christmas story, and even especially with this one, and I looked at my wife, is they didn't have any money. And they have this budget and their budget's blown because they stole it out of the, somebody stole <laughs> all their the presents trunk. out of the trunk. And so I, growing up, my parents, we didn't have a lot of money for Christmas. And so Christmas was the songs, the smells. It doesn't cost a lot of money to light a cinnamon candle, right? right? It doesn't cost a lot of money to spend time with family and light up the lights and sit there with listening to the music and, and the peace that it brings and the connection that it brings with family. So for me, it was always that. And so seeing Ralphie and his wife struggling to provide, I just, I related to that as a kid going, I felt bad for my parents who I always knew my dad was stressed, like the old man is stressed. I always knew right. that they were trying to provide as much as they could for us. And yet it always worked out. We always felt great. We always had the the things that really meant something that we've then carried on to our kids, which are the music, the foods, the the moments, the lights, the calm sense of Christmas that, that really brings a family together. So, you know, just to get completely mushy about this thing, it, it really is a nice, feel-good family Christmas movie. It, it, it delivered in every way, I thought. So this is the first Christmas for us without my dad who passed away in April. Oh, that and one. And 
I, as I was watching it, and, and I know he's going to probably listen to this uh, this podcast, but my older brother had to write the obituary. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder when he watches the movie, he'll never admit it, and that's fine. But I wonder how that's going to hit him. It kind of hit me, and I didn't even have to write the obituary. I just had to speak at the funeral. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, the, the, the memories of Christmas, our last Christmas as a family, my my four siblings and me, and when both my parents were still alive, because my mom passed away in 1994, so Christmas of 92 was the year before my brother went on a mission in summer of 93. Christmas of 92, the last thing we did together for Christmas was we turned off all the lights, left the Christmas tree lights on. We drink hot eggnog at our house, by the way. We heat up the eggnog. It's like a hot drink. I won't knock throw it until I try it. Throw in an, a candy cane. <laughs> we love it. It's it's really sweet. Not going to lie. When you throw in the candy cane, You know, especially. I love eggnog so much, I would do that. I'll, I'll do hot our eggnog. Our family, I didn't know people drank it cold until I was probably 18 because <laughs> we only ever heated it up okay. on the stove. Okay. At any rate, and then we sat down in mugs and we discussed Christmas memories from oh. all the years growing up. And we didn't know because my mom wasn't sick with cancer at that time. Sure. Um, that diagnosis came the following year. Um, that, that was the last time that all seven of us were together for, for Christmas. Right. And so seeing things like that, that does kind of tug on the on the heartstrings. And, yeah. And, you know, I we were sub for Santa a couple times when I was a kid. So I get that feeling also. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And we were and too. what that must have felt like for the parents in a way, the gratitude at people's generosity. Yep. But at the same time, even though they're grateful, you know, there just has to be that sort of thing of like, it sucks that we couldn't do this ourselves. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so it, that's the perspective you get as an adult. And that's why I like that they didn't try to do a Christmas story sequel when Ralphie was like 17 or 20. For sure. I think having Ralphie be more or less the age of his old man from yeah. the first one. Yeah. And then having to go through it. And, of course, having Billingsley back, once he puts those glasses on, man, it's 40-year-old Ralph. It's 40 years later, Ralphie. There's he no question. He broke the fourth wall in the hallway by the telephone where his mom had called uh, Schwartz's mom and, <laughs> you know, washing his mouth out with Life Boy soap. It's just, I oh, it was great. It was just great. Great, great, great movie. All and right. then to bring it back around to the end where he didn't write the obituary, but what was in the newspaper was... It a was Christmas story. Yes, exactly. It was and the, it was it was the, the original movie. For his dad. It, oh. was as, it was as good an obituary Wonderful. as he could write for his dad. Yep. Um, and which which I, makes the original movie, I think you go back and watch yes. that now and you watch it and the guys. It brings are, it full circle. Oh, it's about family. It's about his dad. It's about his mom. It's Oh, it's great. You could, you could watch A Christmas Story Christmas without having seen A Christmas Story and then watch A Christmas Story sure, afterwards. as a prequel. And it would work as <laughs> would. this is the story that right. Ralphie wrote for the newspaper. Yeah. Because I think, I think, and I'd have to rewatch Christmas Story, which I didn't this year yet. I think that's the first lines of the Christmas Story is. Oh, it's the same. Nobody oh, did Christmas like is. my old man. Absolutely kind of it is. Yes, it is. So and he talks about Cleveland Street. You could then watch. And, yeah. A Christmas story after a Christmas story yep, Christmas. Right into it. And have it not feel like you're watching it out of order. You would see yeah. some of the images that you'd seen before. Right. But I, that's that makes it see, I didn't even think about that till right now. I, oh, I, I kinda had that thought just meaning, oh, that look that leads into the story yeah, that was the original. That's fantastic. So that's okay, that's a pretty convincing case. Now, let me try to make a case for eight bit Christmas. Okay. Because I loved eight bit Christmas. I did too. I did too. And I, I convinced you to watch it last yes. year. Yeah, oh yeah. And I just feel like you – I don't think you can go wrong. Maybe this is just a case where there is no clear-cut winner. Um, I'm so glad they did a Christmas Story Christmas right because they, they certainly could have done a terrible job and yes. left us feeling sad that we watched it. 
but they didn't. But 8-Bit Christmas was so on the nose and with so many things that I related to. I laughed from start to finish. I laughed at the crappiness of the Nintendo Power Glove. I laughed yes. at the, the neighbor kid who had the Nintendo when everybody else didn't because – that happened to everybody. Me too. Whether yeah. or not it was like a thing, that, but the kids knew. The kids knew who had the Nintendos, and you know, the kids knew, and, and they could. Like I was the kid. I was um, the main character kid. I traded. I would have traded anything yes. for the thing that I wanted. My my older brother exploited me by letting when he got Optimus Prime for Christmas, he made me trade one of my birthday presents that was ten months later <laughs> to play with Optimus Prime. Wait, in you January. were trading picks like like professional yes, sports it was like teams, an NFL draft, future he future selected, first oh. round. Picks. And then I've got my presents, and he's like, "All right, which one am I going to pick?" And all of a sudden, I was like, you know, my ten year old self's like, "Oh wait, I made that deal." No. Oh my gosh! And so I relate to these things. Yeah, there's the bully trope, same from a Christmas story. This oh, bully yeah. looked like Adam Driver as a teenager, though. By the way. The big, the kid in the jean jacket and the and the hand, the fingerless gloves, oh, yeah. um, with the dark hair, and he sounded like Adam Driver. That's what I thought was funniest, and just every little thing, you know, the the kid remembering stuff. His his mom, oh, the uh, exaggeration banned, of his memory. My parents banned Nintendos from our house. Yeah, okay, so. With the mom, like, oh, no, you can't play video games. The worst thing that happened was my cousins got a Nintendo, and yeah. my aunt, who was my mom's sister, told her, oh, the worst thing I ever did was get that Nintendo. Right. And I'm and like, so she didn't no, get it. no. Well, you know, we talked about this after I watched it. I, I lived in a town called Batavia, Ohio, when we got our Nintendo. This in in Eight Big Christmas took place in Batavia, Illinois. It was outside Chicago, Midwest. I mean, I lived uh. the exact life of this kid. the The school he went to looked like my school. The I mean, so many things in this movie were were me. So I related to it completely too. I wonder if it's if it's outside of the everyone today who's forty to fifty years old. Where it hits it right on the yes, nose for sure. I'm I know they like it because my kids really like it too. But they probably really like it with my narration going on through the entire adding, movie yes, where I'm like, adding guys, this happened. This was the actual scene that happened. Oh, when they go into the kid's basement who has the Nintendo, that was like my baseball coach's basement where we had, I remember having uh, parties there or I had some friends, one of my friends who had his Nintendo and played his Nintendo in his basement. That was the basement. I mean, the attention to detail to recreate these scenarios and to make you feel good. But again, I would say 8-Bit Christmas, again, is exactly what you want for the holidays because it's a story about his dad and his mom yes. and what they did, and you don't realize till the end, and they've got a great, and great little twist. And you think he's getting the Nintendo. Yep. Right up until the moment yep. he doesn't, yeah. you think he's got that extra box, oh, from the rich yeah. uncle in Japan. Oh, okay, it's so he's so going to save the day, and then it's still not, it's a light bright, yeah. which is funny because I got a light bright one. Did year. you really? I probably <laughs> wanted a I think I had a light bright, maybe early 80s. Oh, my goodness. And yeah. then my brother and I, as we got older, started making pictures on the light bright that weren't uh, one of the official Sure. <laughs> Well, I, I, but, I think if you can make then, so you talk about this being like the, the, the follow-up to A Christmas Story in a different way, it, it shows you that really there are only about five types of movies that anybody watches anyway. It's all the same story over and over again. Yes. And if you can make it original enough, but but play those same notes in your head, then it really works. I think both of them work in a really great way. Again, so kudos to the filmmakers who, who were Different enough, original enough with the storytelling and with whatever, you know, tropes or else mechanisms that they use to move the story along that really relate to people. I mean, I, I guess the scripts would have to go through various incarnations and you have plenty of people in the writer's room adding things and cutting things. And man, they, they both worked really well. The only thing I, I think I wish were different about today and society and technology is 
both of these movies should have been released in the movie theater alone. Yes. And then you get them on repeat because, man, I, I would have watched them in the movies. I would, I would have, have gone to see this I would Christmas have loved story that. movie in the theaters for sure. Elf, Elf, you can remember back to 0203, whatever, 03, I think. The reason it did, I mean, if it went direct to video in 03, it's dead. I mean, nobody watches direct to video things because right. it wasn't on demand streaming. But because it was in the theater, everybody in society had this same experience. So, oh, have you seen this new Christmas movie? And this guy, Will Ferrell, oh, it's funny, the SNL guy. And, and it worked really well. And now, of course, it's a classic, you know. Yep. And I've gone back to see it in the movie theater again and again and again. So bring the movies to the theater. I wish, I mean, we talk about Megaplex, our sponsor. <laughs> I wish they would just have for the entire month a couple of theaters in the Salt Lake Valley or Utah County dedicated to just every Christmas movie you'd ever want to watch. I would pay. I'd pay every time to go see, you know, Home Alone or or these films that have right. been streamed. I would go see them. I'd pay money. Hint, hint. I'm I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> I point. really would. I, I I really felt like it, we were kind of robbed not being able to see Christmas Story Christmas for in sure because it would have sure. looked really good on a big screen like that and it or this, sounded or, great. Or the other one we're going to well, talk Spirit about. Spirit is in theaters. That's the thing. So we'll oh, talk about that in it? just a second. It oh, is. So okay. I, I, so the only reason I didn't bring that up already is that I is one where corrected. you can go pay that money now, Dan. <laughs> well, so I watched you, it on streaming. It. I sat on my couch it, and now you've got to deliver. Well, but one one last thing about Eight Bit Christmas. I wonder if 8-Bit Christmas got the impetus for A Christmas Story Christmas. I, I, I can't imagine that in only one calendar year they were able to script, film, and finish. It could happen, I guess. I don't know all the vagaries. but Sure. So so Christmas Story Christmas may have been in the works. Yeah. But the the how well done 8-Bit Christmas was had to have been, and of course both of them went to HBO Max, so that's worth pointing out. Oh, that's true. Um, that's true. They're both Warner movies. Okay. Uh, um, well, then they would have been aware of each other, the, right. the various families of producers putting them together. But it's. I'm glad we have both. I mean, Agreed. I really am. I'm going to watch 8-Bit Christmas again this Christmas, and I'm yeah. going to evangelize it to everyone I can try to, to watch this movie and laugh at it. And, of course, it rings truer to me having lived. I mean, I didn't live in Illinois, but I could tell you how in West Jordan, Utah, many of those exact same things happened. For sure. Uh, in very similar ways, or at the very least... My perception of how they happened was a very similar way, like yep. uh, everything. And I getting mad at the TV, throwing control. I didn't ever throw controllers. I never had the system, but I knew I, I've played enough video games to know how angry you can get at some of the things. And I just I loved that. I, I, I it was it was well written. And I hope we get more christmas movies like that 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 are that are well done so eight bit christmas a christmas story christmas if you had to pick one that you would say is the best successor to a christmas story are you picking in christmas story christmas because of recency bias or because you really liked it better no i would probably give it not so much recency bias but just the the continuity and the 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 continuation of the story i suppose um eight bit christmas is so well done and feels well i don't know see that's that's an unfair question. I plead the fifth. <laughs> okay. I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go along with what you said. They both exist in this sphere of great Christmas movies that have come out in the last few years because we we've gone through some stretches where they don't exist. I will say, sadly, none of them will have the impact that any Christmas movie has ever had in years past because in the last two to three years we've had streaming for ten years or whatever it is on demand. Boy, it's so hard to make an impact. It's hard to make a splash because there's yes. so much to watch and there is so much noise. And that's and so, why intellectual properties are so valuable oh my to goodness. the studios. If you complain, and this is the truth, this is the truth. 
you're, you're, you're justified in your complaint that there's not a lot of originality. But the problem right. is, is that there's the marketplace is so saturated with things you have that you've got to go with something that people right. already have a reason to look you at. You've got to have the name recognition. As I do the uh, movies and uh, streaming TV reviews for KSL TV, I actually had to, I went through all 157 Christmas movies and I said, okay, I can't talk about all of them, nor do I really want to because some of these don't look like they're very good. Right. But- what is the ones that I will talk about? I had to look for some kind of, um, I had to look for some kind of hook. Like what is okay? Well, this one has Jane Seymour in it. Okay, that's something. If okay, you've got this one is the sequel to something. Actors, yeah. Okay, that's something. Right. If it's just a bunch of no name actors in a retread of something that you've already seen a hundred times, you know. Who cares? Lindsay right. Lohan has one that's essentially overboard with every Hallmark Christmas movie you've ever seen. But it has Lindsay Lohan. Because it's Lindsay and Lohan. it's overboard you it. that you've seen before. And so right. there, there's that hook. And and that's what that's what a lot of things are turning into. You know, the it's going to be more difficult for smaller fare to, to find its way. It just is. It's going to be niche. It's going to be YouTube. It's going to yeah. be one service that a few people talk about. It'll be difficult without some pre-existing tie-in to blow up and go global. So, yeah. All right. So we've talked enough right now about Christmas Story Christmas, and we've talked enough about uh, a Christmas story, uh, eight-bit Christmas and a Christmas story. So we'll take a break, and then when we get back, we're going to dive into the other genre of Christmas-type movies, A Christmas Carol, and different remakes of it. We're not even going to debate what are the best versions of original Christmas Carol, because there's like, that's a whole podcast 17 in and of itself. Of them. <laughs> We're going to talk about what are the versions of A Christmas Carol that are super fun and a different way to watch it. Van Effects, we're talking Christmas movies, specifically this segment. We're going to talk about A Christmas Carol, and we're not going to debate which is the best version of the original Christmas Carol, the story by Charles Dickens, when with Alistair Sim, there's a great version with George C. Scott, there's a great version with Patrick Stewart. I don't Mickey know, Mouse, there's a great, Mickey's Christmas Carol. Well, no, but that's going to fall into more what <laughs> we'll we're talk talking about. about. Um, but the, you know, the straight telling of A Christmas Tale, just like straight across the board, that has been done well in a lot of different ways. And of course, it's a timeless story written by Charles Dickens. There's a reason that it's resonated all these years. Um, the redemption of somebody, you know, the especially somebody who doesn't look like they have a quality worth saving. It's a ghost story it around is Christmas. Kind of. It is a ghost story. I mean, story. it is. It's got the scary, you know, Jacob Marley's scary at the beginning, yells at him and well, scary. I mean, there is a Christmas song that talks about scary ghost stories of Christmas long, you, long that's, ago. That's what it is. That's what it is. Makes it the most wonderful time of the year. But this time, we're going to talk about some of the fun ways to tell a Christmas carol. And to me, uh, and we'll talk about the new movie Spirited with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, which is another take on the on the story. Um, but I think there are several runners for best version, best silly fun version of a Christmas carol. And and in my personal favorite is Muppet Christmas Carol. I love it. Um, this year, they've restored one of the missing songs to the version that's going on Disney+. Plus. It was yeah. cut for time. that you could. There was a two-disc version you could get of A Christmas Carol, the one that was the one that everybody saw that played on TV and all those things that had this particular song between Scrooge and his young-time girlfriend cut. This is Michael Caine. Yeah, Scrooge for played those by Michael Caine. haven't seen it. Excellent. <laughs> if you haven't, I'm sorry. Really? Because it's so really good. well done. And it... It moves me to almost tears by the end of each one. Michael Caine goes from being like comedically over the top bad guy to yeah. like an emotional moose when he's talking to the ghost of Christmas future. Yep. 
Then he, did, he does very well at that. I mean, that's that's the whole redemption story of Scrooge. And, and it's good. I always do with my kids. Every time we start Christmas season with Christmas music, I always go, "Tis the season to be jolly and joyous." I do. But that's, that's my Kermit the Frog that After I can do. After all, there's only one, one more sleep till Christmas. <laughs> great songs. Yeah. And oh, great I music. Love, I love having Rizzo the Rat and Gonzo oh, man, be the narrators. It's so funny. It's so funny. Um, the heat wave. It's got some, yeah, it's got some newer, fresh jokes that very Muppet kind of thing. It's very, it's really good. And I do know some people that are off put because they revere the original story so much they don't like the silly take. But I like the silly take. Well, there are a lot of silly takes out there. That's why, that's what we're talking about. I Second, mean, if you if you have a problem with Muppet Christmas Carol, you're going to hate the other ones. <laughs> right. So the other one, and this is going to be, I think, probably the most closely related to spirited kind of in in tone and in yes. spirit, for lack of a better word, is Scrooged with Bill Murray. Right. Um, a cantankerous TV executive uh, gets visited by the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Came out by 1988, I believe. And then we have, uh, yeah, so, so to me, those are the two big ones as far as a, a fun way of telling Christmas. There are shorter versions of Mickey's Christmas Carol's one you reminded me of that yes. I forgot there was. Yeah. And who was Scrooge in that? Was it Donald Duck? Or no, it was Uncle it was Scrooge. Scrooge. No, that, that His name be, is that Scrooge. That might even be where the character came from. Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. And then uh, Mr. Magoo Christmas Carol. Okay. I'm you, it's not as bad as you might think <laughs> on first sound. Okay. But it is Mr. Magoo. Jim Backus does the voice and he's, you know, practically blind. But Fair enough. But I haven't it, seen that one. As I watched it again, when you get to the emotional climax of the story, which is Scrooge seeing the future with uh, Tiny Tim and <laughs> Mr. Magoo gets you a little, uh, <clears throat> little dusty a little in the emotional. room. Kind of. So the power of the story is such that you can have a fun sort of silly take on it. Yeah. And it doesn't somehow ruin the story. I, You know what's funny? When we were thinking about this, and I was watching various versions here, just to kind of bone up on my memory of, of some of these movies, because I watch a lot of them every year. Um, and I'll come back to Scrooged with Bill Murray. Um, if you think about It's a Wonderful Life, it it's... It is a, a Christmas Carol. I never thought about connecting the two, but a Christmas Carol is, hey, let's give this guy who needs to be uh, reformed in his way of thinking before it's too late. Let's bring him around by showing him different things, past, present, future. It's a Wonderful Life was let's show him an past, alternate reality. And what would have happened? Yeah, like a multiverse kind of a thing. But it's the same thing with a ghost. With a scary thing, with a, wait a second, I've got a chance to, you know, my lips bleeding, Bert, my lips bleeding, he comes back just like Scrooge. Oh, go go and buy that goose, young man. And then he, you know, Bob Cratchit is is shocked, and he and his family, how could Scrooge have reformed? But he did, and all live happily ever after. It's a Wonderful Life felt the same way. For me, I'm just going to bring this up briefly, because we hadn't even talked about this. Uh, the Family Man with Nicolas Cage, for me, uh, yes. we watch it every year, and it is, it's a Wonderful Life and a Christmas Carol kind of wrapped into one, because he gets a multiverse view of what what if you would have taken that choice to marry her instead of go off with your career? But it's so Ebenezer Scrooge. He's all about money and fame and power. And then he gets this view, this glimpse, as as Don Cheadle says. He, he's his angel, his ghost, right. who comes up to him and gives him this, this view. So in looking at these various ways, now it's not fully goofy, but it is funny. It's got Jeremy Piven as his buddy. and No, it's supposed to make you laugh at the vagaries of life, the, the things that everybody complains about, but then... Yes. Can also have a shocking amount of meaning to you when they're part of the life struggle and the he struggle works together the t- and the things you do as a family. Oh, he says to his little daughter when he drops her off at school, he goes, where do I go now, Annie? And she goes, you go to Big Ed's. And he goes, tires? I'm a tire salesman? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, why? 
And she kind of shrugs her shoulders like, <laughs> I don't goes, know. He goes, I'm a tire system. I, I, I sell tires. <laughs> so it's just, for, for us, that one's a... cage voice. Uh, uh, what is my Nicholas Cage? I, I do an Andy Samberg from SNL doing Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Andy Samberg said, Nicholas Cage looks like this. It, it's just one of those movies that, again, I bring it up just because it's an alternate take on a classic tale that's not goofy and silly, but sometimes there are movies that can veer into the goofy and silly. And that's Spirited is like that and Scrooged is like that. So I, I looked at Scrooged and, and, and in comparing it to Spirited, it is very much the same thing in that it goes goofy and crazy and takes these crazy liberties. Bobcat Goldthwait, who's in it, who's this is disgruntled. That's, an that's 80s in Scrooge. You don't remember a lot. <laughs> you know, that's he's that guy. But it's got all these funny characters in it buddy hackett plays ebenezer scrooge in 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 the network version in within scrooge right scrooge was at a time the term meta didn't didn't exist now or talk about spirited first you 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 tell me let's let's talk about spirited and we'll bring it back around to scrooge okay so about that so spirited a new version with will ferrell and ryan reynolds that's going to sell people just by itself because they're both very funny and they both play Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, I they mean, do. And, and, and during the movie, they, they do the things that we love. Again, we're talking Christmas. That's the little nostalgia shake in. Um, and it, it, what we have essentially, again, this is spoiler stuff. So see Spirited yeah, please first stop because it's so good. Because listening there's a, there's right now if you haven't watched it. There's a during Spirited that, yes. that, that we're going to have to talk about because there's no way around it. Yes. but That's your spoiler um, alert, That's folks. your spoiler alert if you haven't watched it. But... So we have Spirited, the ghost of Christmas present. We get to see Rose Byrne <laughs> become discovered. They give us the what happens after the Christmas morning. Yes. They've, been, they've continued the tradition that started with Ebenezer Scrooge, or maybe it started before, probably with Ebenezer Scrooge, only because Jacob Marley is... Jacob Marley's running the whole thing. He's running the He's whole thing. He's playing Jacob Marley over and over again right. to, to get people on their Reformation journey of their Three Spirits night. But he's kind of the, he's kind of the overlord boss of the... Christmas Carol, let's reform these lost spirits operation. Which exactly, is funny. and they have, and they do studies on them. I really like how they fleshed out the process. The data. Of they they do background how checks. How bad they is this dude? So that they can take them to specific parts of their life. <laughs> yeah. Like I love that. That to me was like a fun little. Uh, extra that they threw in because I mean they're spirits they could just make magic stuff appear yes. but the idea that they build the sets and they set it all up yes. okay we've got to get ready for this Christmas Eve we've got one calendar year to pick the person and get ready for him and so we find out that uh, the ghost of Christmas past is is a, a woman of Indian descent um, the ghost of Christmas present is is uh, Will Ferrell's character and the ghost of Christmas future is it's Tracy big, Morgan it's the big giant grim reaper but it's Tracy Morgan's <laughs> Fantastic. voice Fantastic. who's upset that he doesn't get to do anything more than oh it's so funny he's so funny yeah (laughs) and so we get this fun behind the scenes look at that that it's a whole industry into itself and that they have their methods and but we find out that like there's something different about the ghost of christmas present he's kind of melancholy he finds out that he's allowed to retire is he going to finally do it he's not sure he kind of feels like he missed out on some and you know how he lets us know all these things? Through a song. Yes. That's something That's people should know. It is, it is a full-on Broadway musical. And I say Broadway musical because it's the same guys that did La La Land and The Greatest Showman. Yep. Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It is... I mean, it's... Well, I, I should point out, I for have that a is what friend, I want to say. I have a friend I just talked to literally yesterday who I share a lot of my movies with. 
He said he and his wife started, as soon as they started singing, they shut it off. Couldn't do it. Couldn't, That's why I I'm said like, no, I want you to be you prepared. Do it. You couldn't get through. He's like, well, no, I couldn't. Because, well, and I, I'll say it's not just a musical because something like um, Muppet Christmas Carol is a musical, but it's a musical in the, in the style of the Muppets. This one is a musical in the style of every Broadway musical of the last five to seven years. I mean, it's full on like, I went into this room and I take my hand and then I go like this and I say hello. <laughs> I mean, it's like... It's there's so many lyrics, so many words, and and it's very it, it's it's a style. Again, I'm not saying that they're ripping themselves off. And the dancers off. dance, and they oh, come in from the full wings. Blown and yes, it's Broadway full production. production and and songs that are again. It's uh, what what Dear Evan Hansen is the other one that they did. That's their Broadway musicals. Uh, ben Shea and and Pasek and, and Paul. The, so oh, is it Pasek? I think that's how it is. Oh, okay. what, did, what did you say? I what said Pasek. I think it's Pasek. I don't know. Okay. But the, but the thing is, I just want to give people the idea of the style. Or they might turn it off because if they're not expecting it. But how about this? It is Will Ferrell singing and it is Ryan Reynolds singing and they did not auto-tune them very much. <laughs> but yeah, what, but that's what you love be, about it's it. It's meant to be funny. Like it's yes. not supposed to be like that nobody notices that singing is going on, which is right. I think some people, I love musicals so that never bothered take. me. But yeah. some people don't like that. That would never happen. People wouldn't just break into song. That's true. But they kind of make fun of that in this oh, yes. and they do the thing. So, They're very well done. They're very well crafted songs, but they are funny, a little bit crass. Uh, you know, I, I, that, oh, that's kind of the, crass. I was going to say it that's the PG-13. warning as well. Yeah, yeah. The, the warning. And we are watching it with the, with the family and the kids. So if you're expecting like a um, a sacred retelling or something that's a little more adult than Elf. It is. Yes. Elf is a little more. You, you can watch Elf all the way down to five without other than maybe like. Instead of saying Lily Livered Ninny Muggins, they'll say... Yeah. This one has some swearing, words. and it has um, some like adult-themed kind of things with the um, <clears throat> Ghost of oh Christmas gosh, Past. Oh, my gosh. That was so funny. So, that was again, so, so funny. It's one of those things where I, I want people to be prepared, and if you're prepared and you go in well, ready to watch something... Well, it takes a very serious thing, too, a very serious oh, turn. Oh, my goodness. Sure does. That I was, I was a little surprised, but... Not surprised because that story-wise was an appropriate Absolutely. for this time yes. and those circumstances. That's not an unrealistic thing to have happen. And I, I feel like we're jumping ahead, but uh, Ghost of Christmas Present decides we need to pick somebody, and he picks the soul that's marked file as unredeemable. Unredeemable. And why he picks this one, who knows, other than maybe he just likes the challenge. Well, we we know why we now. Know. Well, now we know. Are why, we going to reveal that? We don't know why. Well, we will. We'll get to that part. But he picks an unredeemable soul who turns out to be um, Ryan Reynolds' character, who is essentially a consultant, a political or a media consultant media savvy, whose job yeah. is to figure out how to get people out of messes that they've got themselves into, like the Christmas tree industry. Yes, which was the very first was, song with him, right. which is funny. But first, he, he tells a politician, okay, look, you did this thing wrong. Here's what you need to do. You need to attack this person. You sure. need to say this other thing. You need to do this other thing. And you're like already feeling like the sliminess like falling well, In our of society, him. that might be the worst person out there that we could think of right now is somebody who takes social media and twists it and turns it to, to manipulate the masses. And Correct. that's him. And so his first client that we find, other than the politician, is finding a way to get the Christmas tree industry, the live tree industry... Uh, going again over the artificial tree industry right. by starting a social war hashtag you know not real Christmas if it's right. not a real tree and it, it, his Hating whole purpose each other. is to create division yeah his whole purpose is to create division which can then goose sales and of course everybody eats it up yeah he's got a lo- uh, what appears to be a long suffering assistant played by Octavia Spencer 
Oh, you she can was tell great. she's got a little more to her. In fact, she gets her own solo song. Yeah. Like, is this really where well, my life is gone? And they keep gone? bringing the song back in different ways. Uh, what was that song? The View From Here? Yes. That, again, sounds like it was plucked, to me, right out of Greatest Showman. Yes. There were so many songs that were very Greatest Showman, which to me is one of the greatest musicals ever. So, it's it, again, just to give you the idea that the tone and the pace is very much that. Once they hit those songs... It'll sound familiar to you. It'll be, oh, wait, haven't I heard this song before? Oh, okay, it's just kind of a different different version. Re- and then the reworking. wild thing is she can somehow see Will Ferrell's yeah. ghost. No one yeah. else can, but she somehow can. And he's not sure why that is what it is. But at any rate, he decides they begin their night with Ryan Reynolds to try to convince his character uh, that he's a bad guy and that he should change. And, you know, the I, I'm not going to break down every single scene of the whole movie, but essentially Ryan Reynolds is not going to be... It's not going to be Christmas caroled. He sees right. it. He even mentions, oh, you're going to Christmas carol me. And it, it's a very meta, they, if you want to use that term, it's a meta movie. They turn into some ways I was like, I just never thought I would imagine yes. the target somehow getting it on with one of the Christmas spirits. She mentions he was, that, he's, because she mentions he's so incredibly good like, looking. She, yeah, and she mentions it's been like, she's been forever since she's anybody's like looked at her like that or, you know. Right. Uh, and so. She comes back with her hair all tussled and, you know, like, oh, are you kidding me? You're kidding me. That one, again, that's a good warning for families. Just, again, if you're looking for, and this is where we could tie in. It's not explicit. It's not over. No, no, no. there are consequences for that later in the movie. Now, you can tie in Scrooge, and this is what we're going to be talking about with, with, with Bill Murray, there are so many parallels with these movies because at the time, think about Bill Murray in the 1980s and early 90s. My gosh, nobody's a bigger comic yes. actor than Bill Murray. Same Similar thing here, with Ryan Reynolds. where you put in Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. and so it's and Bobcat it's an irreverent was a big comic. He was in the late 80s, yeah. and it's this irreverent take. Um, I was just thinking about uh, Scrooge, how at the beginning they start off with this Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus arming the elves with these automatic weapons, and then Lee Majors comes in. It was a commercial for what was airing on this network. And so it <laughs> sets the stage for this irreverent take on Christmas. Same thing with Spirited. It's it's just you have to know that it's going to be taking you in some different ways that are not uh, – it's not sacred, right? Right. And, the, and, and the, to be the fair, source material not, is not sacred. Other than some cussing and, again, the, the heavy themes and it's that not a hit ton. It's not a ton. There were no F-bombs nope. either. It's not like – so just so you know. But, you know, I think it's a fair take on where things are today. That doesn't mean that's your cup of tea, and that's fine. Yeah. But, but, but do know that that's where it is. And, and I will say it doesn't go – Overt in ways that a lot of movies do nowadays. They do show some restraint. Uh, you know, they never imply anything more than with her hair tussled sure. and that that something happened between the two of them. Yeah, and now she's no longer interested. So now, so now Christmas present has to go and do Christmas past's job, and then do Christmas present's job, and then uh, of course the Christmas future comes on later. To sum up a lot more, so that some people who uh, you know, so we don't take up the whole time of the podcast, so we can break down some things. Essentially, it takes a lot more for Ryan Reynolds. You start find out about his past. You find out that his sister died essentially around Christmas. Right. Um, and his great shame, which we don't find out till later, is that he passed the buck on his niece. Right. When his dying sister asked him to take care of the niece, he didn't do it, and he passed it on to the brother. And and obviously that has eaten at him over the years. Well, 
And and part of it is he he is not willing to go with the ghost of Christmas present or past to check out the moment the, the moments death. that are supposed to be reforming him. He doesn't he he takes off and he leaves. Like wait a second, you're not allowed to leave. And, and so then he goes back into the like the whole central right. hub. Well, and so in in passing on that, and you see he passed on. He, well, I mean, if you want to get deep on it, that means that his character was always trying to push the grief away yeah. and not not deal with the root cause of who he is and what he wants to be. And, and so it really has these deep themes of loss and uh, facing um, difficult challenges and, and how that makes you who you are and, yep. and what you do. And so his whole nasty character, but same thing with Scrooge. We've had various... By burying your feelings, it's yes. much easier to become the type of guy he was where it's like, I don't care what happens to you. This is what's going to work. And so we're going to do it. That's why it works so well for him to That's be Scrooge. That's why I'm so paid so much money. There are people who who would pay good money yeah. for what I can do well. And I don't feel, I mean, right. yeah, you talk about it. It's near sociopathic because that's the for whole sure. point of a sociopath is they don't feel emotions the same way, except thankfully he wasn't so far gone that he was a full sociopath, but he's so good at what he does. He manages to turn the tables on the ghost of Christmas present and he gets him to start analyzing his own self which and leads to the big reveal that uh, the ghost of Christmas present is none other than Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge. Yeah. Which was the was only a fun twist. The that only redeemed. Twist. Like, we know that Ebenezer Scrooge was visited by his partner, Jacob Marley. And, and so, obviously, the whole operation of reforming souls and redeeming souls for the past 200 years was when they did that. Ebenezer Scrooge was reformed. And so they started this whole thing, right? And they talked. There was only two unredeemable people ever. And it was Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge and, and, Ryan, and Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds' character. <laughs> and that's, then, that, then you find out. This is why I thought it was very well layered. Yes. Because then you see why Will Ferrell took such an interest in Ryan Reynolds. was, And he explains it, of course, through some dialogue of like, I didn't have a lot of time to see. Because I, I, that was if I had one complaint is that they made Ebenezer Scrooge die three weeks after he was reformed. I thought that was funny. I, it was funny, but I didn't. I didn't like he, it. Well, Ryan Reynolds asked him. He goes, the rest of the story. Oh, he goes, "How do you know if it worked? How do you know if you were reformed? Because Christmas Day, you bought the goose, you visited Bob Cratchit, and everything was better." And he goes, "Well, I lived for another three and a half. And Ryan Reynolds goes, "Years." And he goes, "No weeks. I died three and a half weeks later." Well, how did you know? And so that and that yeah, made and this that puts the spirit of, of. But he of obviously Scrooge. had some of those ideas before. That's why he was in the Hall of Redeemed People for sure. kind of melancholy. Yeah. So yeah. that wasn't something that Ryan Reynolds said. wasn't the first time that right uh, that. That Will Ferrell's character considered it. It was just that time it really hit home. So, but then the humorous part is then they go back into <laughs> Scrooge's life, and we we forever have been changed for the term "Good Afternoon." An entire song about how it was essentially it means F bleep off, you, essentially, yeah. And, uh, and a great musical uh, good number. Afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, it's such a ca- and they're I, ready I, to fight each other every time somebody says it. Listen, that musical number is just delightful, and it's it's fantastic. Um, but I thought the best song of the whole movie, and you said uh, "Unredeemable." It's a song called "Unredeemable," and it's Will Ferrell is the primary person singing, and he's not a good singer. He's not great, right? right. And I think he kind of plays up the fact that I'm Will Ferrell and I'm singing, so he could probably sing a little bit better if he tried. But it's. You know, it's this great song called Unredeemable. It's not the Mark Johnson family Christmas where he's spinning in a circle. No, no. It's it's one of those where it's, 
it's a very kind of touching song. And yeah. uh, and again, Octavia Spencer sings a song that's kind of a touching song. And and you're watching this going, am I supposed to just be laughing out loud because it's so goofy and bizarro? And then you yes, hear these I great songs. I found myself laughing at times where I thought, I don't know if I'm supposed I, I, to be same, laughing. Same here. But I am. That's the only thing that I, I, again, I'm not, this isn't a critique, or I guess it's just, it's not a criticism, maybe a critique, is that I, I was making my way through it kind of going, how am I supposed to feel right now? How am I supposed to feel right now? You know, is this too goofy? And then again, the cancer storyline comes in. Right. But ultimately, well, and, then, it, and then the kid that uh, the, his niece is supposed to destroy to whole, win the election. Yes, it kept building up to that crossroads. Yeah. Well, and and again, we've we've done enough spoiler alerts here. But but by the end of the film, when it has another twist and a shocking moment. Um, it really pays off and gives you these great feelings beca- and, and in a hilarious way. Um, and so that that kind of surprised me, too, because through the whole thing, I was wondering, where is this going and how should I feel? Scrooge, just to bring it back to another irreverent take on Ebenezer Scrooge, Bill Murray's character is redeemed. But to me, that happened so all of the sudden because he was a, a, kind of an annoying jerk most of the entire movie, right? And Karen Allen's in it as his as his love interest, and he just she just kind of oh, takes right, him back right. immediately. Sorry, you switched to Scrooge. I was like, wait, huh? yeah, on Scrooge with Bill Murray, and so Bill Murray's character does redeem himself at the very very end, but it's so quick that you kind. Of, I mean, he even cries at the end, and you kind of feel it, but you go, oh, that was so quick. It was like the last ten minutes. Out of five minutes, maybe it was just so quick at the end that it's like, oh, that was abrupt with this goofy, dark comedy. OK. And it works and it's funny. This one had, a, like you said, layered. It was a lot more layers and callbacks to things within the movie itself. And you keep going, oh, oh OK. Oh, this is funny. But it was really well written and bizarre to utilize the fullness of Ryan Reynolds and the fullness of Will Ferrell. Yes. They did a funny little um, ad for Apple TV Plus, which is where you can stream this. And Ryan Reynolds says to Will Ferrell, he goes, but wait a second. People aren't going to want, want to watch this because it's not Elf. You're Elf. You're Will Ferrell. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but it's not Deadpool either. And it's not. No, it's not. And then they kind of. And then Ryan Reynolds says, now you can watch it on Apple TV Plus. And Will Ferrell goes, where is that? You know, and so it's this joke of it's a streaming movie with the two guys who you think are going to be really funny and they are, but they're not. And that's what's so great about it. Like if you enjoy and everybody, I think Ryan Reynolds is universally beloved in this society. And who else is? Will Ferrell. I mean, yes. people in, in love fact, watching of, them. There's a there's an elf reference, a very funny elf reference. That yeah, somebody's dressed as elf. They have a Christmas party apparently that you dress up like Halloween, right? But only in Christmas themed costumes. Right. And there's somebody dressed as elf, and Will Ferrell stops to berate him for how you stupid you he look. Looks. Stupid. <laughs> and he like harps on it. Yeah. So stupid. You look so stupid. My daughter looked at me. She goes, "Wait, but that, wait, that's buddy." And it was, she was putting it together. She like, was putting it together in real time. He said he looked stupid. I said, "That was the joke, sweetheart. That was the joke." <laughs> so yeah we we just we loved it i mean again the musical thing is a huge theme but it's funny within itself it's very if you want to use the term meta it gets overused nowadays but that's what it is it's a movie that's aware of itself it's almost impossible to be genuine in a lot in a comedy even sure these days, yeah. just because there, there's so much history it's so easily recalled now it, it's 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 effortlessly preserved uh you know 1970s, we'd be talking about this movie that if you hadn't seen it, you hadn't seen it. And you right. weren't going to until the 80s when video came out, which you didn't know was coming. Right. So we have a way to refer back. Like That's how easily we can talk about Scrooge and how I can say, hey, Dan, make sure you watch Scrooge. Oh, you went and found it almost immediately. We're able right. to watch it. Yeah. But if you can do it right, first of all, funny's funny. 
Yes. So even if it's a copy of something else, if it still makes you laugh, it still makes you laugh. Yeah. The meta works because Ryan Reynolds' comedy is kind of meta. I it's mean, a very the, the modern. Promo ad you're talking yes. about that's. It's only funny because that's funny. I mean, in Deadpool breaks the fourth wall. Right. Um, Elf, he doesn't break the fourth wall, but his dad does the whole movie. Well, and he also says things like, oh, who do you think does this? Do the parents put out the milk and cookies too? I mean, it's just, it's so aware of itself that it is a uh, a version of Rudolph or Santa Claus is coming to town, the claymation. I mean, that's the funny thing about it is it's, it's that's true. It knows that it's kind of within this thing. It's, you know, and that's why Elf works so well. Modern movies, modern takes, riff on themselves while they're doing while the they're movie doing and the, the story. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It can be overdone and it can be done poorly. Um, but for my kids who are teenagers, who that's kind of their style yes. of film, they watched this and uh, they just absolutely loved it. They loved it. I did too. Um, again, I would, talking about this just like we did Christmas Story Christmas or 8-Bit Christmas and the ones that come out nowadays, you know, post, let's say, 2018, I just don't know how big of a splash or a ripple they'll have. But that goes with anything. That goes with any series. Yes. Anything that's streaming. Everything on streaming is, is film quality now. It's movie quality. It's just fantastic because they're putting money behind it. Because they have, they've made more money in streaming than they ever made with people going to the theater. Because you pay right. 10 bucks a month forever. <laughs> I mean, that imagine that. Uh, you know, 50 million people paying a $10 it's a, pro- a month. It's a problem for the actors and producers of the movie who used to have theirs tied to the success of the film. For sure. And now there's no way to yeah. measure that yeah. total success. So they get their money up front now. That has changed the market a little bit. I mean, bit, but- for us, the consumer, boy, oh boy, do we have it easy. Because- 10 bucks for your whole family to watch Spirited? But also you can deal. watch... Anything you want, whenever you want, to the exact yep. specification that you want. So I, I do miss the idea that maybe, and that's what we're trying to do with this podcast, is to, to let people know, this is what we really saw, and what did you think? And so you're trying to get this communal experience again, where people all went to see Home Alone, and Home Alone made $300 million. Yes. you got to see this movie, Home Alone. It or, destroyed or a Disney movie. Elf, same thing. It Which one did it? The Rescuers Down Under. It oh, destroyed that movie. Poor, well, and Poor Rescuers Down Under was the one immediately preceding uh, The Little Mermaid. Which uh, So everybody forgot no, about Rescuers I Down don't Under. Think, I think you got that oh, backwards. Was. Home Alone I do was not. 90 and uh, Oh, no, I am 100% correct. It came out before The Little Mermaid, Andy. Put it in the bank. Rescuers Down Under? Yes. Okay, we'll have to research oh, yeah. it, but I believe you're wrong. Because after because that, it 1991 went, Little was Beauty and the Beast. 1992 was Aladdin. No, 1990 sir. was... Rescuers Down Under 1989 was Little Mermaid. Incorrect, Look but that's okay. Look it up. I will. Resolve this argument before the end of this podcast. When or did the I Little Mermaid premiere? <laughs> I just Googled Dan's it. Dan's asking his phone. Okay, hold on. Oh, you, do you know what's funny about this? That I'm right? No, we had this discussion before. You're, you're right, but you're wrong. How am I wrong? It's okay. What, Let's talk Little about Mermaid Christmas. Out what year? This is not the spirit of Christmas, Andy. <laughs> okay. Spirited, I think, is great. So let's let's make the argument now. Who does the right. best version? <laughs> but listen, if the Rescuers Down Under was only an hour and seventeen minutes long and didn't really get any, uh, uh, you know, uh, press, then yeah, it, it it doesn't exist. The Rescuers Down Under was revolutionary <laughs> in that it was the first film to use a um, have the computer animated to to, tra- to change the tracking of the camera in an animation. Okay, let me let me let me say where I was incorrect. Alan Menken, okay, okay, did 
Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion, you know, and then they keep going, and, and then obviously the so the re uh, Renaissance of the musical Rescuers Down Under was kind of thrown in there. I'll That's just say true. that it's, it's kind true. of thrown, but in it there. also was supposed to do well. Fair enough, and it didn't because Home Alone just absolutely destroyed it. And you Macaulay Culkin, what is wrong with you? <laughs> so back to Christmas <laughs> of the three of the three Scrooge, Muppet Christmas Carol, and Spirited. Who did the best? humorous version of A Christmas Carol. Well, how would you rank it? I am biased. Well, because look, I I love Muppet Christmas Carol so much and there's nothing to me not to love about it because Kermit the Frog is Bob Cratchit. It's kind of like Mickey's Christmas Carol where Mickey Mouse is Bob Cratchit, right? And it's, if you get this incredibly likable Bob Cratchit character. Now, again, I don't know that Spirited is trying to be a humorous take it's trying to be a an absolutely bonkers goofy take because it is just so goofy and silly and funny. I, but I mean, I guess it's in the same in category. Like that idea of is if I can't redeem this person, did I have enough time to show that I had really changed? Sure, that's a deep thought. I mean, that's so that's not just a give me give a me the goof. Which ones are we comparing again? And Scrooged, okay, Muppet Christmas Carol, and. Spirited. I will say Scrooged, only having just watched it, and I hadn't seen it in a couple of decades, Scrooged is not feel-good enough. I mean, there okay. are some good feel-good moments. It's funny. It's very funny, but it's bizarro funny. It's 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 1980s funny. It's so 1980s okay. funny, and it's actually a time capsule of its own. Uh, you watch it, and you go, boy, this is just like the spoof movies of the 80s, and it's Bill Murray trying to be bizarre, funny Bill Murray, but I don't think it captures enough of the all the feels, right? Okay. The special feels. But but Buddy Hackett being Scrooge, that's funny. I mean, the <laughs> fact that I, I found myself as he I'm watching Scrooge. He wasn't alive much longer after that movie. He, he I really wasn't. Well, I, I, I find myself watching them in my brain write out these funny bits because Scrooge is a bit after a bit after a bit. And it's got a okay. lot of really funny, like objectively funny bits. Um, Spirited tries a lot harder to weave in some serious moments that I think people really can relate to of loss and cancer and disease and uh, what role do I play in the upbringing of these young people, whether it's your kids or or other friends' kids or parents' kids or your siblings' kids, and you know that's where the niece fits in. Um, and then we're doing Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol is almost too traditional to me to fit into those because these ones take it so It's an obviously off. humorous take on it. It is. I mean, obviously, like there's not a scene but where like there's not you some said, kind of goofiness. Michael Caine, though, as Ebenezer Scrooge, he's acting his heart out. He really is. It's, yes. it's one of the great performances of Ebenezer Which Scrooge. Which is funny to say. One of the great performances by Michael Caine and Ebenezer Scrooge is in a Muppet movie. And Gonzo and Rizzo. And yeah, it's, it really is. I would and say Muppet Ryan Christmas Meeks, Carol. Ryan Meeks, who's a frequent contributor, he feels that this is blasphemy. That we say that a Muppet Christmas Carol is because good he doesn't like, like Muppet Christmas Carol. No, he likes Muppets fine, but he just he's a big fan of the George C. Scott Christmas Carol. He likes the traditional. Sure, take. sure. And I okay. say, hey man, you don't have a heart. If Michael Caine isn't moving you by the end of that, I movie. agree. No, and it's but then and then they have, they have all the typical Muppet gags, which yeah. are funny too. I would I would argue Marley Muppet, and Marley. We're Marley and Marley. Our hearts are painted black. Uh, look. I would argue Muppet Christmas Carol might be the greatest Muppet movie. And I love Muppets Take Manhattan and The Great Muppet Caper. I grew up on all of those. Muppet Christmas Carol is perfection, which is sad because it was Jim Henson's son, I think, who voiced Kermit because Jim Henson mm, had just passed away. Right. Um, but he does a great job. Um, and so, I, boy, 
Hmm. Again, I'm, I still got to go with Muppet Christmas Carol. Out and that's okay. Of, We're talking three. Christmas movies. Nostalgia always rules strong. Well, but also Muppet Christmas Carol had the benefit of being on home video and it will be watched over and over again in a pool of only a hundred Christmas movies at the time <laughs> as opposed right. to 10,000. <laughs> that came out <laughs> Honestly, this year alone. Well, that's the, that's the problem with, and, and Spirited is a, it's a name like Tangled, okay? The Disney movie Tangled, which is a very good movie, great songs. And you go, wait, which one was that? Oh, Rapunzel. Yeah, sure. I guess so. I mean, that's what it turns into. They want yeah. to, Disney and these companies, they make Saturation a generic title. at some point. Well, and Spirited, what else are you supposed to call it? A goofy Christmas carol, a funny Christmas carol. I mean, it is a Christmas carol. A Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell Christmas carol. They call it Spirited. Is it going to have the staying power and the sticking power year after year after year after year? I, I don't know. Because now that Spirited was successful, you could you come up some with some other ones. You, you really will. That's and you true. can get funny, big-time actors, pay them enough money. One of these streaming services, Prime, is going to now say, well, I want one. And Netflix will want one. And Hulu will want one. Ooh, and- you know who's a good comedic actor who'd be good in a holiday movie? Tim Allen. <laughs> Have we talked about... Hey, I started watching the, the Santa Clauses, by the way. I'm not way into it. Thought I would hate it beyond hate it. You I, don't hate it. I'm only 15 minutes in, though. Oh. And, and and to be honest, the Santa Claus, the first one was... was I just love Elizabeth Mitchell. So. Look, I do too. Now, now it was peak Tim Allen when it came out. It was home improvement. It was yep. Tim Allen. He was so hot at that point. Top of the world. Funny. Oh, ha, ha. You know, that was Tim Allen. Throw in Santa Claus, which seemed against type, and how funny would it be if he's he's Santa Claus? Even though it's kind of has some dumb things in it, it's really it becomes heartwarming and funny. You know, I, I Judge Reinhold as uh, the stepdad yes. and the sweaters and Neil. It's so funny, so funny. Um, the second one was uh, uh, not great. The I third one, the second one, a lot more than the third one. Well, I thought the third one was kind of funny because of Martin Short, and my kids actually like Jack Frost, and he does dumb things. Both of the sequels are, are really bad, I think, compared to the first one. And so I thought, how can you bring this back around? And uh, come on now, I will say, folks, ten minutes in, I haven't. Well. I say I haven't turned it off. I did turn it off. Now, I, I will watch it with my kids because for them, it's nostalgia. For me, it's nostalgia. It came out in 94, right? The original. And so I think we might give it a few more episodes. Um, Total of six. You're going to have to get all the way up to Christmas before they well, finish. But the, the my my point being about the, the oversaturation of everything that we have to watch now, Elf might have been the last great Christmas movie because it came out in the theaters. Well, 2003. But let me also throw out there an animated shout out. I got to shout out this before we end the podcast is Arthur Christmas. And I don't think people give it enough credit. It's it's so funny. Arthur Christmas. Go back and watch it. I think it. I've only seen that once. It's That's the animated uh, that, one, That right? one to us is a classic because it's, okay. it goes into the grand Santas, the old Santa. You know, Then you got Arthur who's trying to take over and Steve is the other son of Santa who takes over. It's... It's really laugh out loud funny Steve. for us. So you were just doing, was that multiplicity? Yes, it wasn't. I was. Oh my gosh. See, Andy <laughs> and I. Excellent. Steve, I can't even this say is the why lines we, in that. <laughs> this is why we vibe I want so pizza. well. <laughs> Go get me pizza. <laughs> I will say, I will say this. Um, I really liked Claws, the movie that went to Netflix, the animated one. Oh man, we could have a whole podcast ago. about that. It was it that was, was amazing. Two or th- yeah, with two or three years ago, Academy Award winner or at least nominee for best animated film. Yeah, that, that's it the best is, new Christmas. Oh movie boy, that I thought in, it's in a, a Santa Claus origin story, and um, I mean, it's even got uh, uh, Norm Macdonald 
does a voice yeah, of one of the, the guys. Late Norm McDonald. It's very much if you love the Emperor's New Groove, only not as goofy. It's very much like that kind of a. I don't even. I can't even tell you who does the voice of the main protagonist, but he sounds like David Spade, kind of being this uh, cynical. You know. Yeah. Great movie. Watch Klaus. Oh, and it's like Klaus. Don't they call it Klaus yeah. or something? Oh, even though well, it looks like I think Klaus, it was Klaus, but it's, it's yeah. K L A U S. Yeah. Very well done. Okay, so watch that one too. Up, you're going to go with them up at Christmas Carol. I I would have to say, but but it's not I fair because it gets. The two decades worth of, uh, or three decades worth now, I and I don't think Spirited will be remembered as the great classic. But will but it, it go sure into your yearly rotation? It, it, That's it, the real it trick. It might. It might. I will say something like Daddy's Home Two with Will Ferrell that is a Christmas movie has made it into our rotation every year. And so this one, okay. Spirited might. I okay. think Spirited might. When we got to the end of it, I didn't think it would because as it's kind of like I said, a little rougher, a little more crass and you know adult content, I guess. I thought, I don't know if this will make it. When you get to the end, you got all the feels again. So I, it, it might. It might. It's very funny. It's very funny. Awesome. Well, Dan Spindle, thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Always a pleasure to have you. We're going to have you back real soon because Andor's about to wrap up, and we're oh, going to talk boy. a lot about Andor, the series, over on Disney+. Plus. But today, thank you for talking Christmas movies and giving your opinion. And uh, always well-reasoned, always well-argued. Uh, appreciate having you, and we'll catch you on the next one. I want to thank each of you for listening to the podcast, Fan Effect. We hope that uh, if this is your first one, you'll check out some of our other episodes available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most specifically on kslpodcasts.com, where you can check out some of other KSL great content that we have. And uh, if you want to uh, follow us on social media, at Fan Effect, E-F-F-E-C-T show on, uh, well, we're mostly on Twitter and Facebook. But thanks for joining us. We'll catch you on the next one.